Park. It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode accompanying our main episode, all about book 48 in the 87th Precinct series, which was Nocturne. And we will start, as usual, by having a look at the cover designs of the original releases in America and the UK, and a couple of other places, in fact, which... If you listen to the main episode, I slightly trailed <laughs> um, in terms of my feelings about them. But I'm going to show to uh, Morgan and Steve-O the cover of the US hardback edition to start with. And it, it's kind of significant in one way because it's got an image on it that is in all the other editions. So if you can have a look at that, guys, and perhaps... Uh, well, Steve-O, do you want to describe that? It's a black cover with silver writing uh, and... Other than that, very little on it, apart from there is a cocktail glass with a cherry on a cocktail stick. And that is the same image of the little ink uh, drawing in our version that follows every chapter number. Yes, there's a little cocktail glass symbol that's used throughout the book as a chapter marker. Yeah, which is, you know, a reasonably curious thing to have in both, given that it's where... One character works. Yeah. Exactly. You could have a fish. <laughs> yeah, or, or, a, a, or a, a rooster. Or yeah. a car engine or something. So, yeah. yeah. So but yeah, not... maybe, maybe, nevertheless, uh, you know, makes you think about the nighttime world. You know, you don't, you don't so, yeah. drink a martini or whatever it probably is. Yeah, it looks uh, like a martini. Or 11 o'clock in the morning, do you? Well, some people probably well, do. Well, maybe the alcoholic lady in the book might. But, uh, yeah. It's got yeah. the uh, classic uh, silvery lettering, raised lettering for the hardback edition. I'm going to show Morgan the paperback edition and get him to describe that, which I think it's an absolute travesty. Oh, let's have a look at that. Wow. Well, it's it's exciting stuff. Um, so some different Ed McBain lettering uh, in red. Um, Nocturne written on white on a red background, sort of a bit off-centre for some reason. And then the same cocktail glass. With that red thing curiously takes up loads of room. It does. Is it, lots is of it symbolic of something? Blank sort of red space. I don't yeah. really know what it's meant to be, but there there we have it. It's yeah. it's crap. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of putting it, yes. But it's an improved thing with an Italian version. Yeah, well, I am going to show you an Italian version, describe it. I mean, the, yeah, this American paperback edition is, like, it's definitely they've let the work experience kid loose on the desktop <laughs> publishing package for that. It's it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. The Il Giallo Mondadori version, however, which I will demonstrate, I will show, I'll hold it up to my friends here. Ooh. Wow. I've been sharing these for the past couple of stories, at least, and so you'll be well used to the yellow background look of it and the fact that there's a circle in the middle with a scene <coughs> excuse me with a scene from the story in uh, in this case they've gone back to a more sort of oh it almost looks like a pencil drawing design mm. coloured pencil design of what I I'm taking to be the uh, the sex worker Yolando's killed in it I assume but it's it's basically an image of one woman in an alleyway somewhere mm. and yeah so that's a bit more enigmatic than either of the American versions. Doesn't necessarily really capture too much specifically about the story, but it, it it makes you want to read it a bit more, definitely. Yeah. 
And I will also describe the Hayakawa Pocket Mystery Book from Japan, which I'm going to show to the chaps now. These will all be available on our Instagram as usual. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying these uh, abstractions on the, the the Japanese editions. They're great. I don't remember the scene with a, an octopus in. Maybe that's the <laughs> um, fish market. <laughs> oh yes. Well, as as usual, it's a sort of abstract oil design with the letters uh, symbols for eighty seven scratched into it as well. Yeah, I can't make out a particular whether it's supposed to represent anything. Oh, by the way, if you can hear the rain outside, that's because, A, we're all in a room together and we've had to have the window open a little bit because it's been the hottest day of the year so far, but now it is tipping down with rain. So if that's just there for ambience, you know, <laughs> to, if you can hear that. And if you can't, then uh, please imagine it. <laughs> but yeah, the Japanese ones, I really like them. I, really, yeah, I would they're... love a collection of those on your shelves. They would look amazing. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, abstract and clever and funnily enough i've also got a french canadian edition which is is that just a generic city scene yeah it's one of the new york bridges isn't it yeah so with a cloud like the cloud in ghostbusters 2 i love it 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 does look a little bit like that yeah it's just a nighttime scene of new york because it's got the twin towers in it Uh, and it says roman suspense on it which is you know which means mystery Crime mystery book. So there you go. We've not had a French Canadian one before, have we? And our own editions. The reason I've got not got a picture of the British hardback edition is because it's just a bigger version of the thing that we've all got in our hands, which is the UK paperback, which I will hand over to Morgan to describe. Yeah, here we go. New English Library uh, phoning it in. So. We've got this silver McBain at the top, in, um, and then going down the centre, we've got uh, Nocturne in sort of black lettering with a, a sort of glowing aura behind it. Yeah. And then just sort of a, a very sort of faint kind of, I guess it's, it's sort of like a, a city scene i think mm. there's there, there are the the fronts of various sort of there's businesses there is a person yeah, lurking somewhere the close inspection t- there's t- some t- kind of person line. lurking somewhere towards the bottom i can't really see no, i've never seen them no. before um which get a, the general idea of it's some kind of street scene i think isn't it and that thing presumably is nocturne is like a, a neon sign in a yeah. in a vertical I assume like, that's what it's, it's fixed uh, to a evoking. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the hardback edition is just that, but bigger. It's a curious title. Does it actually specifically mean something? Well, not Something to, of the night? Yeah, so yeah. a nocturne, as the, where I've come across it before, is in terms of um, classical music pieces, yeah. for example. Well, what does it mean in that? Well, I think it essentially is that. It's, I think it's about darkness. I think it's about night time. Oh, I think it's about... Um, well, they play this note after 9pm. Uh, it's, yes. it's just a piece of music that, that sort of represents night time, I oh, guess. Right. Do you th- th- yeah, or, or a, an artistic or composition of some format. Yeah. You know, so... As in nocturnal, essentially. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good title for the mm. notion he's decided to set it in, as a as a nighttime book. Yeah. Um so it works. It works yeah, it really. Does. And I think there's also something a bit melancholic about nocturne as yeah. a, a phrase as well. It's Quite, it's not yeah. a uh, brand new day dawning type thing. It's the very opposite of that. Yeah. You know, it's the day dying. 
Definitely. Um, it doesn't seem to have inspired the cover designers particularly, though, sadly. No. No. They I must think have thought, the... what does that mean? Just, <laughs> just, uh... yeah. just make it look like it's had its ready break and it'll be, it'll be okay. <laughs> There's probably a should, for should you. the uh, whoever who's in charge just, just probably just said, "Oh, just make it, just just make it vertical. That'll do." Yeah. <laughs> so we're not overwhelmed with the brilliance of these designs, are we? But disappointingly, it is nowhere near the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, you know, compared to the last twenty years of output, that's probably. Slightly above average. <laughs> yes, that's so, what I think this one is. This yeah. paperback edition is probably one of the better ones. A solid mid-table performance. Yeah, yeah. Must be one of the longer ones because it it, it definitely. I know I sound stupid here, but it's definitely got smaller writing than a lot of them, hasn't it? Yes, yes, it yeah. does. For, I mean, it's, especially for this era, it's a paperback that runs to two hundred and ninety-one pages. In, with tiny writing. In, Although I will say, the way they've typeset it as well is they've basically not used about, I don't know, a fifth of each page, because no. if they'd have just made it a bit bigger, yeah, their it, margins and gutters on this are very, very wide, aren't they? This is true. But the question that I'm not going to forget to ask is, mm. how does it smell? Oh, oh, <laughs> and I'm going in oh, first. Oh, my lord. Very keen there. Barely of anything in, my, in the case of mine. They should all smell identical. Well, no, no they I should think. really. We haven't actually drilled down. There's a... mm. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> sm- what a noise! Doesn't smell of much that. No, I've got a bit of a hay fevery, bunged up nose. So whether I'll be able to smell anything well, at all, let's see. Oh, just a little hint of, of something yes. there, but uh, it's subtle, very subtle. I get the feeling these were pro- probably. Produced in great quantity, but actually the stock of paper on this isn't too bad. I don't think it. It seems cert- they all seem in pretty similar condition, don't they? It either? certainly doesn't smell of the night anyway. No, true. No, no one wants to <laughs> smell the best. Of night night soil. Um, <laughs> okay, well that being that, let's get into some stuff about 1997. And I'll run us through some some music stuff. Oh, Steve, oh, sorry. Steve was doing a forensic examination there. Seeing if they were slightly different prices or, you know, slightly... I think they were sometimes all probably five ninety nine, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, not if you're in Australia. Oh, <laughs> no. $14.95. Brutal. Yeah, anyway. Right, let's get to some music from the uh, 15th of May. What's that? I've forgotten the date now. Mm-hmm. I have to scroll all the way back up my pad for this, ah. you see, now. 15th, I was right as well. 15th of May, 1997. I've had a look at the top tens in America. And the UK. And I'll start with the UK. So, usual thing. Drop in with a little comment if you've got any thoughts. We should all remember. I mean, this is essentially the music just before we go off to university, yeah, we, this. We should be all over this, shouldn't we, really? Yeah. thing is, probably into music that was released about 25 years before this. But That's uh, never mind. also true. Yeah. No, number 10 in the UK is Bellissima. By DJ Quicksilver. And I bet you we know it, but I don't know the I, name. I, I, I imagine, yeah, if it came on, you'd be like, oh, it's that one. But, yeah, you'd never own the title. But at number nine, a new entry, Susan's House by Eels. Going over to Susan's house, I can't be alone tonight. Nice, yeah. Like I it. like it, but I still don't believe it's a top ten song. It's, it's baffling. It's, that that's it's a, a very odd song, isn't it? It's, a, it's kind of weird that it was a single in the first place, really. Yeah. It's very odd. Um, although, I'll tell you what, I do associate Eels with going to university hmm. because in the student bar in my halls of residence, which I only went to a couple of times, Novocaine for the Soul was on all yeah. the time. 
it was it's being played everywhere. I don't remember Susan's House, but I remember Nova came mm. for the soul very much. Uh, number eight is Kowalski by Primal Screen. I remember it existing. I can't really remember what it sounded like. It was a bit of a no tune. Yeah. At number seven, this is not the Patrick Swayze North and South, but it's North and South with I'm a Man, Not a Boy. Oh, they were like a, yeah, boy band, um, but they had they had instruments a bit. I think one yeah. of them played the keyboard, one of them maybe played the guitar. He had slightly punky hair. Yes, they were. They were sort of. Where, where was? Where were they from? The north, the north and south of. Who knows? I haven't got that information to hand. I'm afraid. I feel like they might have even had their own TV show. I'm not sure. I might have. Made I remember. Up. I'm a man, not a boy. It was quite mm. high energy, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, number six, "Love Won't Wait" by Gary Barlow. God, if only you had. Well, you say that, you think that's the worst crime on this list because we get to number five with literal crimes from R. Kelly oh, with I Believe I Can Fly. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four, You Might Need Somebody by Shola Rama. Oh, okay, yeah, the uh, Randy Crawford song, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge hit, wasn't it? Mm. Now, I don't remember this. Number three, Damage with Wonderful Tonight. Oh yeah, like is that a cover of the Clapton? It is in a in a kind of smooth R and B boy band style. Oh right, no, that rings a yeah, like, bell. yeah, like like boys to men style Eric Clapton cover. If you can imagine anything <laughs> worse. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and number two, Love Fool by Cardigans. Oh yeah, marvelous, yeah. absolutely brilliant song from a brilliant album. Okay. And number one, You're Not Alone by Olive. Oh, yeah, you're not alone. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Until oh. the end of time. Yeah. See, Morgan's on fire now. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Synapses and like, memories. Yeah. And... Let's, see, <laughs> let's see how we fare with the American top ten. Probably dreadfully. So, at number ten, someone or something called Rome. Oh. I belong to you, brackets, every time I see your face. Mm. But, but not the rest of the time. No. If you turn away from me, I'm a free agent. <laughs> Never not, heard of it. No, never heard of it. Uh, nine is hard to say. I'm sorry by as yet a z y e t, featuring Peter Cetera. Oh, because because yeah, no, it's it's so some someone covering Chicago or uh, with the guy from Chicago guesting, I guess, but I don't okay. know anything about that cover. And at number eight, Paula Cole asks the universal question: Where have all the cowboys gone? Oh, I do well, remember that one, yeah. Where have they gone? Big hat shopping. Yeah. That, that was an odd odd record. Okay, number seven, Puff Daddy featuring Mace. Can't nobody hold me down? Somebody somewhere probably can. <laughs> probably. At six, uh, Savage Garden with I Want You. Oof. <laughs> that was a great reaction. Yeah. Uh, five, Monica with For You I Will from Space Jam. Oh, and again, I say this about the time we're living in now being a hangover from the late oh, 90s. Yeah. There's a new Space Jam there film is. coming out, <laughs> so which is baffling. Uh, number four, Foolish Games slash You Were Meant For Me by Jewel. Doesn't ring a bell. I presume that's not a cover of the Freddy and the Dreamers oh, song on the, on the B-side. I really, really hope it is. Um, at number three, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Oh, now we all know that one. All that business. So he did very well to get that on the US charts. Yeah. That's presumably after over here. 
Dunno. Yeah, no, he, he was, it was he, a big he, hit. That though, he was, was a pretty big, big deal. Yeah, he got signed to Death Row Records and and everything. I think over in the states, he he was yeah. It, people took him quite seriously. Leicester's finest. Yeah, up <laughs> there with uh, Willie Thorne. <laughs> I think I remember, remember. Seem to remember him getting in trouble with the law because he he cr- committed a, a minor misdemeanor and was given community service and then just paid someone to go and do it for him. Yeah, yeah. He, On the he, subject of stupid criminals. Did, yeah, yeah. He was uh, of the um, the Johnny Cash school of pretending to be some sort of proper like ex-con kind of guy, and yet probably I just it was. A, yeah, I don't know, like some kind of parking violation or something. <laughs> anyway, at number two, who can forget Mbop by Hanson? Well, nobody. Nobody who lived through those days. Indeed. Because that was ubiquitous. Oh, that yes. was everywhere. Such long, straight hair they had. They, they really did. And at number one, it was hypnotised by the notorious B.I.G. Yeah, I, I don't think either um, Biggie or um, um, Sean Puffy Coombs really made their way over to like our mainstream for a little bit. No. After that, did they? No. Uh, I mean, this is... Hip hop and rap at the time was full of a string of significant deaths. I think wasn't it? So that, that, was the, the, which helped sort of make the scene more noticeable worldwide. I think. Yeah, it was the, the proper East and West Coast rivalry going mm. on at the time, wasn't there? Yeah. So I mean, I, I didn't note down much more from 1997 in terms of music, but I did want to mention. Obviously, it's 1997 is the year of Elton John doing "Candle in the Wind" following yeah. the death of Diana, which became, I think, the second biggest single ever sold. But, you know, that talk about ubiquitous, you couldn't move yeah. for that. But, most importantly, everybody loves Pat Boone, don't they? Of course. 1950s slash 60s, light version of, of rock and roll and crooning, sort of nice guy. Definitely. You want, you want to hear Tutti Frutti without the syncopation? That's your man. <laughs> well, exactly that. And that's why in 1997, he puts out an album called In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> I remember hearing about it. I think Dweezil Zappa played the guitars on it. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up because the idea of Pat Boone doing a load of metal covers is... Marvellous. Is, ...is great. Exit light night Take my hand We're off to never, never land so there you go. That's some that's some music stuff, and we'll come to our own personal musical choices from there or thereabouts in a bit, and get on to movies. Oof, Oof indeed. Top ten highest grossing films worldwide of '97. Must be, I guess, some of these. Tomorrow Never Dies. I saw that was 1997. It was, and it was the fourth highest grossing. Fourth, right. Was there a Jurassic Park? There was. There was the Lost World Jurassic Park, which was the second highest grossing film of the year. I did also see, uh, whether it was being there, maybe top ten, very ridiculous film, but quite entertaining. Face Off. It didn't make it into the top ten, but that was out in ninety seven. It was quite a big film, though. It, I, it? Yeah, I yeah. remember it being being pretty big at the time. Yeah, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it did have two actors who were just clearly told just act your tits off in this <laughs> film, <laughs> like overact as much as you possibly it can. Was, yeah, it was, much scenery was chewed. Yes, and, um, 
Yeah, they clearly must have had a lot of fun making that yeah. film because it's very silly. It's so silly. Yeah. No. Right, oh, right. I think the big so, films were very big. I think that's why, right. you know, so you could have a, a film like Face Off, which probably made quite a lot of money, but it not get anywhere uh, near the top ten. Right. We yeah, have, well, give us a clue. Uh, well, um, it involves a ship. Oh, of course. Oh, Titanic. Yes. God. Oh, yeah. You see, yeah, I would, I've never seen it, so I would have just totally never thought about that. Yeah, just outgrossed everything massively. Yeah, I did see it eventually. Mm. Oh. What happens? <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've never seen Titanic. I've seen Raise the Titanic now. That is an exciting film. Raise and the I'll, Titanic, yeah. Just want to kind of, a bit of a spoiler they raise it. Mm. It's more like it, isn't it? That's what you want. Right, anyway, you've got Titanic's number one, Lost World Jurassic Park number two, Men in Black is number three. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still making Men in Black films, more or less, I think. Was it this year or last year? Or Men in Black International was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Austin Ma- Powers! Ah. I just remember Austin Powers came out in 1997. Well, it didn't get in the top ten. Didn't it? Blimey. Was this US or... This is worldwide. Oof. Yeah, I bet that was a massive smash in this country and then maybe... Yeah. Not actually that much I, elsewhere. Yeah, I believe this, it was massively edited for overseas sales Ooh. as well, so it didn't quite work. Um, Air Force. Oh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Air Force One. I remember people going on about it. I've, I've never seen it. No, as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. Which just, I quite like, as good as it yeah, gets. Yeah, it's, it's pleasant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not... I enjoyed it for the comedy relationship aspect at the time in a way that I'd never really enjoyed sort of rom com type thing. But I suppose now, actually, when you look back at it in terms of how <laughs> how he's portraying a person with OCD, it's probably way off. It's, uh, yeah, I imagine it, it might be not okay. No. So number seven, Liar Liar. Oh, God. Which I'm sure I watched on VHS at a friend's house in a student flat in Birmingham when I was visiting him, going to see Blur. It's one of those films that I've seen in sort of various bits every time it comes on ATV over many years I've never said yeah. I don't watch the whole thing I don't think <laughs> number eight my best friend's wedding mm-hmm. yeah number nine the fifth element oh yeah which is fascinating it's a fascinating movie it's got some really irritating bits in it mm. but it also looks like nothing else and it's it's got some amazing acting in it it's got some amazing design it's it's mad that it was that big, actually. Mm. And at number 10, The Full Monty. Oh, gosh, Which yeah. is my mother's favourite film. Mm. Uh, Brass not, bands. She, like, yeah, she likes men undressing in the north, <laughs> essentially. What didn't make it into the top 10 is films such as Leprechaun 4 in Space. Well... Just, just by a whisker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Number 11, that. Yeah. Um, Alien Resurrection came out that year. Yeah, which we went to see in the cinema, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. I like Alien I, Resurrection. I, I really like it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big. Um, I, I think what, what the what would the kids say now? I, I stan Alien yes, Resurrection. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Conair. Conair. Can't remember. That's what quite that's all about. I remember, we went to the like cinema to watch Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Yes, that came out in '97. Corker. which yeah. was really good, and we also went to see uh, the Jackal. Which is a remake oh, of Oh, we saw the... that in the ABC, didn't we? Yeah, which was dreadful. It was, it was dreadful. <laughs> yeah. I love the ABC, the Jackal. Yep, dreadful. We were like really high up in there. We were. I never went to the ABC for our listeners. The ABC cinema is a huge cinema right in the middle of Liverpool that has now been defunct for, what, 20 years? I would say so, yeah. yeah. 
it was um yeah it's a beautiful sort of proper old one gigantic auditorium mm. and it's now fantastic. just a you know it's labeled that it's going to become some you know shops and, and entertainments and things but it's been like that for probably 10 years uh, yeah so anyway there you go it's a story across many places and for our australian friends 1997 sees a release of the wiggles movie Ooh. so there you go i'm sure you're all big fans of that <laughs> a few quick tv things before we get into our own personal picks in the uk we get i mean if, if anyone's not seen this and they like cleverly plotted mysteries jonathan creek starts in 1997 all oh, right which is an exceptionally well written show so um, yeah i could never get into it really mm, yeah i've never really uh, given it a go it's it is amazingly well written if it's mm. it's the the cleverness of the writing is is unbelievable but it's uh, yeah it's worth a look we get i'm alan partridge starts hey. which i'm sure is probably known I think Alan Partridge has, has translated a little bit worldwide. I don't know how much, but he's very well loved here and still on TV to this day. My hangover from theory still working. Uh-huh. Something that isn't on TV these days is a thing called Stella Street. Oh, yeah, that was very good, yeah. <laughs> Which Roll- is about as low budget as you could get. The Rolling Stones, well, well uh, <laughs> Mick Jagger and um, Keith Richard running a corner shop. Yes, indeed. Which was uh, frequented by lots of other celebrities. It was a very low-budget comedy made by two impressionists, John Sessions and Phil Cornwell. John Sessions uh, died a couple of years ago now, I think, or last year. And it was... So basically, it was a street populated with all these celebrities as if they all just, for some reason, lived on a suburban (laughs) street somewhere. And it was was very stupid and and very brilliant and a lot of fun. (laughs) Worth going back to. We have uh, Brass Eye, which is a fantastic comedy um, with massive controversy over a quite a difficult episode. It's a show that I have shown a lot of American touring bands who come over here. Yeah, there was quite a lot of controversy over that. But the best parts of that are absolutely brilliant. And a show, right, so, right, let me explain this. In 1996... We got a new Doctor Who. We got Paul McGann in a in a TV movie, Doctor Who, official stuff, came out, sort of revitalised people's interest in, in the programme, which, as I've explained in the past, I love. And then nothing else happened. In 1997, despite no one wanting to make Doctor Who, the BBC make a programme called Crime Traveller, where people use oh, time travel. Oh, they did! <laughs> they did! The yeah, yeah. With the guy who was in El Dorado. Yes, yeah, which we've discussed in the past as yeah, a, yeah, flop. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite good though, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Ooh, it was, it was. Yeah, I yeah. feel like you're just making this up. Yeah, I wish I was. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It was all right that. <laughs> anyway, so well, let's go to America. So I've got a good selection here. So in terms of hard hitting police stories, we've got Police Academy the series. Oof. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes, only contained uh, Michael Winslow from the original films and <laughs> no one else. We have a kids' TV show called The Weird Al Show, Brilliant. which is simply one of the best bits of television ever made. Which, if it had been shown over here, would have been a student hit because it's like, oh gosh, it's brilliant. It's all on YouTube, really, so mm. it's worth looking up. It's cool. very, very funny. We have the animation King of the Hill. Marvellous. I've not seen for years, but that was that, that was very good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love that. 
We also have some other animation. This I've mainly noted down animation. This is tells you more about my state of mind mm-hmm. in 1997, going to university but thinking about cartoons. <laughs> uh, I noted, noted down a couple from the Cartoon Network, which obviously wasn't on terrestrial TV on here, but people were starting to get satellite and they'd occasionally get across. Um, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken and I Am Weasel, all of which are brilliant. <laughs> really, really good cartoons. But... More significantly, starting in America in 97 is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, indeed, of course. Which, certainly for Morgan and I, well, my memory of it is basically after we'd left university and our friend Louise, who we lived with, using her discount at work to bring home <laughs> the VHSs of this and us just oh, having marathons of watching yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the VHS in the front room of our dreadful flat on Prince's Road. Gigantic wall of VHS box sets. Yes, indeed. I think I've, I've got the entire thing on one small little box of DVDs now. Yes, it's daft, isn't it? Where, where did you stand on the spin-offs then? Never watched them, really. Oh. I've watched, I think I've seen the first series of Angel. Bums down. Yeah, I mean, it was alright, but it's, I couldn't really be bothered. <laughs> Righto. Well, there you go. That's everything important in 1997. I did say when I... I Mentioned to you guys about choosing your picks if you felt that 1996 was important to you because we skipped it. You can pick from that. But I think I will go to Steve-O for his, his picks for music and movies right, well, from yeah. this period. Right, well, uh, I stuck to 97. I was true to the, the concept. So what do you want first? Well, let's do music first. Right, well, I couldn't make my mind up on music, but then I did notice that, one. well, these weren't, bands that I particularly knew then, really. And I was one month out on being able to get uh, Neutral Milk Hotel as my choice. (laughs) That was February 1998, which I was disappointed about, because as soon as you said 97, I was like, Aeroplane Over the Sea came out then, but it didn't. Well, I'll give you a a, a special commendation for that, because we'll be skipping 98 between now and the next book, so you're allowed to mention that. So then I thought, well, who shall I go for? And I thought, well... They released some of their best albums around then. So that would be Fu Manchu, and they released The Action Is Go in 97, which is a, a bit of a rip-snorter, in my opinion. Yes, you so, got into Fu Manchu, didn't you? Yeah, Quite but not in 1997, so I would be, a, yeah, I would be, a, I'd probably be about, yeah, four years after that, I hey, would think. when you randomly before. picked a thing from the TV guide, you picked a Fu Manchu movie. I did, oh, I did. Oh. It's all linked together. Yeah. Wheels yeah. within wheels. And then 96, they had In Search Of as well. So they were, yeah, they were their run of good albums in three years before they went a bit naff. I have a feeling I might even have seen them at Reading Ooh, Festival yeah. 97, or it might have been 98, I'm not sure. I remember, yeah, lots of hair and... Full Marshall stacks, none of these half stacks, but no. big wall of yeah, of the, yeah. yeah ludicrous. Yeah, mm-hmm. now so that yeah, they would have played up to some sort of retro surfer stoner <laughs> rock. Yeah, good fun, excellent stuff. And yes. what was your pick for a movie? Right, then? well, I yeah, I I had to look at a fair few things, and so I wrote a little thing to remind me. So yeah, there's quite a few. So I mentioned Boogie Night. Uh, nothing I saw in the cinema that year. So which one shall I go for? I think I will go for... But you're not allowed to ask me what on earth happens in this film. <laughs> because it is so confusing and I can't possibly explain to anyone. But I'm going to go for Lost Highway, I think. Oof, um, yeah. Which is one of those films that is just like... 
really, really creepy. And mm. you watch it, and it's just really an unpleasant experience. It's yeah. not David Lynch's. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. uh, it's just full of really oh. odd people doing odd things. And you, you, you're supposed That's to. kind th- of his. Um, yeah, his you're supposed to think, am I, am I really stupid for not really knowing what on earth's going on in this film? Oh. Or is it like really profound? And actually, none of that really actually matters at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like being caught in a really odd dream. It sort of doesn't matter whether you really know what's happening or not. It's just, no. just ex- the experience, Sensation really. Sensation as yeah. much as anything so, else. Yeah, I saw that again, yeah, maybe like 18 months ago, something like that, and it was, yeah, still kind of did what you remembered it yeah. to do. But I think a special rec- uh, commendation to um, Jackie Brown as well, which is always oh, one of my... Yeah. Yeah. Favourite Tarantino films, which is a good, um, well, Elmo Leonard kind of great caper kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's, kind it's of... cracking. Although he, he does change a few significant things, he keeps quite a lot of the dialogue from the novel kind of pretty much exactly as it is. And it, yeah. it, um, it kind of shows how much Tarantino's influenced by Elmo Leonard because it really feels like he's written it, I think, as well. Yeah, and like lacks a lot of the gratuitousness of some of like Tarantino's mm. other films, which it's... I think's. Pam Greer. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's got a bit more kind of bit more heart to it than some of his other stuff, I think. Yeah, it? and it's, it's good nice. like good twisty turny plot that you're mm-hmm. never as a viewer really sure what on earth's going on until it's the end and it's always a bit of a ah mm-hmm. I always really like Michael Keaton in that film. I always think he's very good. Oh yeah. I forgot he was the, in it, but one yeah. of the coppers, yeah. Yeah, he's great. So yeah, they're my two anyway. Excellent stuff. Right, oh, well, I'll go to Morgan then for his uh, his music pick for 90-whatever you've chosen. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know what you're going to go for, but I had a couple I was considering between. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for um, Dig Me Out by Slater Kinney. Excellent choice. Because, well, because it's amazing. I didn't actually... I don't think I actually discovered them properly until just before the next album, The Hot Rock, came out. But mm-hmm. then immediately went back and... Oh, we and mentioned the Hot Rock earlier as well. We did. That's all we tying did indeed. in. Um, Two Hot Rocks. Um, but yeah, I just went back and, and got that that album, uh, Dig Me Out, which is still my second favourite. It's a lot of people's favourite, my second favourite. Mm. But it's it's an absolute corker punk, but uh, but indie, indie rock, but really poppy, but really feminist, but... Um, it, it, it's, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes it's great stuff it is I mean, um, the, those albums around then are just fantastic yeah, I mean first, almost all Slater Kenny albums are fantastic but those especially the first one with Janet Weiss on drums so you can really feel the kind of excitement of the of that new lineup of the band and yeah. it's it's absolutely great excellent so yes well I heartily endorse that one what about your movie pick then? Well, I, I considered trying to pick something cool, um, mm-hmm. and then I, I thought, now I'm just I'm just going to go back and talk more about Alien Resurrection because I, I I do feel like it gets a really unfair slagging off from a lot of people. It's I think my favourite of the whole Alien franchise. Excellent, um, stuff. mainly because <laughs> Steve-O's face, mm. because it's just. Um. It, that's the really boring one, isn't no, it? No, it's the ones that it's the one that's the Poseidon Adventure in Space. It's it's Ace. <laughs> it's uh, Jean-Pierre Genet yeah. directs the Poseidon Adventure in Space, but with aliens and robots. Yeah, and all the cast that he puts in all his other films Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah, and that kind of colour scheme that you always get with his things. So it really yeah. looks like one of his films. Kind of feels like one, but with yeah, Winona Ryder as a as a, a cool robot and 
yeah, bits that are definitely just the Poseidon Adventure in Space. <laughs> and it gives it. Sigourney Weaver a chance to do something slightly different with the yes. character as well, which, Absolutely. Is, which I thought was great. I think you and I are perhaps going to be the last bastion of defending uh, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really talk from any... Yeah, because I'm fairly sure I've not seen it for 24 years, maybe. But, uh, yeah. All the more reason to watch it right well, now. Well, maybe, yeah. yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm happy with that. Does it ever do the rounds on telly, or is it one of those yeah, films? Well, once in not. a while, but... Hmm. Not well, I will, I will look out for it and report yeah. back. Okay, that's good. You do that. Right, better get on to my picks then. See, to me, 1997, a lot of this now, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not apologising, but I kind of am to our oh, listeners in that, frankly, because... He's going to pick that McCartney album that they released in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to say to our, our, our listeners, wasn't it? because this we're now entering a period where we all sort of got together in a lot of like significant life events of, of, that I remember, like as firsts and things. Yes, I'm picking McCartney's Flaming Pie. Oh, Flaming Pie. Yeah, I knew from it. From 1997. I, I thought it was a flower. Yeah, I knew it had I a flower. Was... I think you were thinking of yeah, it. Oh, maybe. yeah, it was an early one. Um, but yeah, Flaming Pie was the album that Paul McCartney did off the back of sort of. They'd done the anthology stuff and it sort of revitalised his Beatlesiness, as mm. it were. I mean, yes, a lot of it is produced by Jeff Lynne, which I'm not hey. mad keen on. Oh, on the plus side. <laughs> <laughs> is there any robot overlords on it? No, there's no, uh, no. synthesised voices on it, fortunately. It's just that awful drum sound. <laughs> and it's made up of a few songs that go back to the 70s and then that he's done. And But it's just, you know, like so much McCartney stuff, it's it's absolutely jam-packed with gems and sometimes you have to strip away some of the production choices in your mind for it. But it's a, it's a, it's a great album. And one thing I, rem- I remember about it and why it's so significant is, apart from me loving McCartney, and I had it on tape, but our dear friend, Mr. Richard Parry, who, I, who was the first person I met at university, really, or one of the very first people I met at university because he's in our halls, he had it on CD and he had all the CD singles oh and my. stuff. And it's like, well, you're collecting all this. There's all this extra stuff you can buy. And it's it was, yeah. So it represents to me my love of McCartney, but also moving to university and meeting Richard in his really horrible room at yeah, university. Well, it was a horrible room, that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my music pick. I could have picked something, but I probably would have picked that Slater Kenny album if I was going to pick anything else from '97. But that would be retrospective, whereas Flaming Pie is. Um, yes, yeah, it was a retrospective, bit of a cop out, really. Well, you know, uh, movie-wise, I've got a couple of choices down here. I mean, one thing I didn't mention, and I've only seen a couple of times, is Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh yeah, which is a brilliant film. It, it was so much better than I expected it to be. And I can watch that over and over again. But 1997 also sees the release of Waiting for Guffman. I, th- I thought you might Which well go for a that. A Christopher Guest Excellent. film. A film about an amateur dramatics production. Oh, yes. And the Guffman in question is an agent from New York they think is going to come and oh, see about yes. taking their show. <laughs> the main character, Corky St. Clair, in it. <laughs> It's full of these amazing lines, amazing characters. It's full of heart, as, as these things often are. Probably more than any of them, really. Not only do you get the, the, the you know the story of them putting this play on, but of course you get to see the play musical in it as well. That's in there. <laughs> Nothing ever happens on Mars. <laughs> and it's oh gosh, it's it's wonderful. It's unlike most of those Chris Guest things. It's one of the ones you can watch over and over again and just get something out of it every time. Yeah, I can't remember anything about that, but I'm absolutely certain I have watched it 
Um, always very good. Has, has it got uh, the guy who passed away a couple of years Fred ago? Uh, yeah, Fred Willard in. Yes, yes. he's does, always yeah. my absolute favourite in those. Yeah, it's, it's got all the the classic cast in it. Fred Willard, Parker Posey. Yes, um, Parker Posey, who I saw in New York when we were visiting. Yeah. Eugene Levy's yeah. in it, and, and uh, <laughs> gosh, oh, that's brilliant. There's just so many lines. It does contain. No, oh, no, I don't want to say them all. Doing impressions, <laughs> but anyway, that's my choice. That's, well, that's very good one. I want to watch it now. Um, yeah, so there we go. There's some picks from 1997. Yeah, next time it will be a case of us choosing from 99 or 98 if we so feel. Anyway, because the next book we are going to do is Big Bad City, which is the 49th of the 87th Precinct books. So I hope you'll all join us for that. Hopefully we'll still be doing this in person. It'll have to be some sort of terrible crisis before us if we can't get together inside houses again, which has been a joy. So, yes, apologise if we're rambling and a bit silly because (laughs) it's the first time we've been together to do it and actually see each other whilst recording, which has been lovely. So, until next time, I'm going to say au revoir, mes amis, and Steve-O is going to say... Uh, Merci, goodbye. And Morgan... Very well. Bye.